Welcome to the sixth episode of the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned while my co-host, Elaine Poplin, and I interview quilter Jessica Alex and Rockies. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama. And our guest today is quilter Jessica Alex and Rockies. Jessica lives in the New York City area. She has written several quilting books, including Get Started Quilting, The Complete Beginner Guide, and Quilting on the Go. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So... I have a question for you, Jessica. How would you describe the quilts that you currently make? Um, well, can we put a time frame on currently? Because my <laughs> pandemic quilts are definitely different than the ones in the before time. Well, describe both. That would be interesting, I think. Well, I've always been a scrap quilter because, uh, as you said, Elaine, you um, got quilting from your mom. Uh, when I was a kid, we lived with all of my great-grandmother's quilts. Like she had quilts everywhere uh, and there were a whole bunch of cousins. And so, gosh, I want to say uh, junior high or high school, uh, we started uh, just playing with my great grandmother's fabric scraps, uh, just the, the girl cousins together. We'd all get together. And so it's always been scrappy and using what you have and seeing how creative you can be, you know, with what's available, really having to like stretch your imagination to make use of the resources um, and that, I guess, has always been present in my quilting. Like, I like um, using super tiny scraps and English paper piecing. <laughs> I like string quilts. Um, oh, <clears throat> like, three-piece letters, I realize now I'm keeping, uh, like, when I trim blocks, if I have, like, a three-quarter-inch strip, I'll keep that because I know I want to piece letters later. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I tend to save everything. Oh, I understand. I'm and, the same uh, way. Yeah. Um, through the years, I've gravitated over and over again towards foundation string pieced, like um, foundation string pieced blocks, and also English paper piecing. <clears throat> and um, I guess I don't like rules and I don't like measuring and things like that. <laughs> but I find my own work. <laughs> now, and it's shocking to me. Um, in the pandemic, all my quilts are squares. I stopped working on every other project that I was doing, and I just. I only make things with squares now. And that would that possibly be because you're needing some sense of order in all this chaos? I am stitching it as fast as I can, Elaine, and it's not really working. Like I made so many square quilts already. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I've kind of deviated from my norm during this mm -hmm. time as well. So it, because this isn't is not the norm, so it's the time to explore, I guess. So. Um, there definitely has been wonderful creative energy uh, during the last uh, so many months we've been all holed up inside. I don't know if you guys have felt it. Oh, yes, but... absolutely. Well, I've, my mom and I have always said that art seems to be born out of traumatic experiences. Uh -huh. And I mean, she trained me to process everything that I'm going through in my art and because she's an artist. And so it's mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people are doing that. They're definitely thinking about creating some order in all of this chaos. Yes. It was just, yeah. it was just funny because I was listening to you talk about what you're working on and uh, I've been making lots of string blocks. And on Saturday I started making 
uh, pieced letters for another lyrics quilt that I'm working on. Do you have the song picked out, Jeff? What's it going to be? Oh, I do. It, it's it's lyrics from a Cure song called Ooh, Caterpillar. Which song? Which song? <laughs> Caterpillar. It's kind of an obscure song. It was the first Cure song I'd ever heard. Nice. So, um, so that's what I'm kind of working on. What brought you to that quilt, uh, Jeff? There was lyrics. Like, why did you need to put that in fabric? Um, I've actually been uh, – well, I, I've made one lyric quilt already, the um, Iggy Azalea quilt. Um, and it's something that I've been thinking about doing a lot because I um, have done a lot of patterned quilts and I'm just increasingly wanting to do more quilts that only Jeff could make. <laughs> or, I mean, obviously someone could find Cure Lyrics and do it, but I want to I make more quilts that are reflective of me and my interest. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually have a, a note on my Apple Notes app where I've just been making notes of various songs that I want to use in future quilts. So finally I was just like, now's the time to do it. I'd wrapped up, I'd wrapped up one project. And so that's what I was doing it. So I'm curious if you could tell us, Jessica, um, a little bit more about your quilting journey. You talked about when you first started, mm -hmm. um, were you kind of doing it from then on? I mean, when you were in college, what kind of, can you tell us a little bit about your quilting journey? Well, for me, as I said, it definitely started in the family. Um, I grew up thinking that it was my great grandmother who was the quilter. But once I started quilting myself, uh, my grandma said, no, no, no. She's the one who made two quilts and hated it. And then her mom took up the hobby. <laughs> and so I have my grandmother to thank <laughs> for uh, bringing this wonderful creative medium into our family. And uh, we all still do it, actually. Uh, a lot of uh, my aunts have made quilts. Um, some of my cousins have. And I've tried to make quilts for my cousins, you know, to just keep the family tradition going. Um, but then I guess, Jeff, uh, remember when we used to have to go to libraries to get information? <laughs> I do. <laughs> in high school and college, I worked in a bunch of different libraries and I would just pour over their quilting collections, you know, um, trying to remember now, you know, now what I know about, uh, quilt book photography and production and, uh, everything that goes into it to look back into those early quilt books from like the early nineties, whatever would have been on a library shelves. Um, you know, it's a world's different than how we're able to teach through uh, books these days. Um, but so I read everything I possibly could about quilting and I thought I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and when I got to college, um, I met, a, a girl who had a quilt on her bed. And so immediately I was you know, interested in talking to her. We had some other things in common. Um, and we started making quilts together, like in oh, our dorm. Fun. And we were just super crafty and promoted that. Like I lived in a group of only 40 women uh, that lived together in a house. And we kept glass beads, like tiny, what are they, seed beads, uh, next to the couch, uh, the front stairwell. So whenever whoever came and went through the dorm, they could sit on the couch and make bracelets. <laughs> and for me, quilting, I guess, has always just been part of that community. You know, I started, uh, so I started quilting in college and then I moved to Japan. Uh, I taught English for the Japanese government for a year. And um, I don't know if you know, but the Japanese, uh, Japanese quilting is like a little bit different than how we do it in the States, or at least it was at the turn of the century. And I had a mentor that I would go and hang out with her every weekend. And she would teach me, like we just work through the Japanese quilt books, like uh, Kills Japan and the Patrick Quilt Shishing. 
uh, where you pick a pattern and it's going to be a tiny little thing, like a two by three little uh, cute case to put inside your cute case inside the other cute case inside the bag you made yourself, you know, like wonderful housewife crafting. <laughs> and, and we sit down and make that project. So the patches you're cutting out are, you know, one inch square or, you know, two centimeters, whatever. Um, and you really pay attention to the fabric you're using. It's so much different when, than when I came to the States uh, and went into a quilt shop. It was like 2002 and I lived in Atlanta. I went into in-town quilters and, uh, and I was 22, Jeff. They're like, what are you doing in here, hon? Do you need help? I'm like, no, no, I'm already a hardcore quilter. Like, just, just show me your, your small, cute Zaka items. And they're like, we don't have any of those. Wow. And so then at age 22, I started teaching in that quilt shop because I was doing something that they hadn't seen before. And so it's oh, always been about sharing and mm, yeah, the community aspect that you can connect to your private time and then, you know, bring that to share. Yeah. I love it when people say, how did you do that? And I can actually answer it and show them. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I go to retreats with mm -hmm. supplies to do little demos like that because I know people are going to ask and so it's a lot of fun to be able to share. And I love the social aspect of quilting, how, you know, depending on what you're working on, you can have full, deep conversations while you work. And that's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such a good thing. We don't get enough of that these days, I don't think. No, so the, the quilting bee aspect of it is just fantastic. I love that that's coming back. Um, so, Elaine, I'm curious now, uh, what small kits of uh, demos do you bring with you? What is your technique that everyone wants to learn? Glue basting is one. Um, glue basting with curves. Okay. So, I use the really, really fine tip glue tips. Uh-huh. And that. I will run a bead of glue, and then then it's Elmer's school glue, because that's just starch. Yeah. And um, I don't use steam in my iron ever, because it will deactivate the glue obviously oh, crazy. okay I didn't know that yeah and well it's you know it's starch so it just steams it out so it's gone but um so I'll hit it with an iron to secure it and then I can do curves with an absolutely dead-on accurate quarter inch seam and I don't have to stop for pins wow yes it's awesome. <laughs> thank you for giving me the quick uh, verbal demo this is great yeah it's a really really fantastic trick and, and it's amazing. It seems like it's slowing you down, but it actually speeds you up tremendously. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you find so. something, a part of the process that uh, just feels good, it's so much easier to do. Oh, yeah. um, I notice though, that I go through phases and sometimes I'm interested in learning new techniques and other times I just need something comfortable that I can do without thinking. Yes. I call those palate cleansers. Hmm. So, yes, like the string quilts, the ones that you keep going back to, that's probably yeah. your, re your reset. It is because yeah. you really don't have to think. It's kind of wonderful. Like, oh, I've been sketching yeah. one out all week. Like, oh, yeah. my, you don't um, have to think, but they're spectacular. They're, I mean, they are always just graphically very effective to look at. I know so. when I look at my string quilts afterwards, I can remember the thoughts, you know, the, the feeling, the mood I was in as I was mindlessly piecing them. Because, Absolutely. Uh, well, you know what I mean. I do. Um, <laughs> I, do. I, you know, I noticed that as a little kid watching, um, if I colored while watching TV, months later, I could look at the drawing I had colored mm -hmm. in and I could remember the show and the yeah. plot. 
It's crazy, but it's true. <laughs> so right there with you. I mean, I, I can remember who I was thinking about when I was working on certain sections of quilts. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, that's one of the reasons I like English paper piecing because you can do it with other people who aren't quilting. And so in my fifth travel quilt, uh, it's one in hexagons uh, in like a diamond pattern offset. Wow. Um, each diamond segment like that I would work on, I remember who I sat with as I pieced that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and wonderful. it's uh, kind of nice to go through it, you know, and the memories there. But I'll tell you, it was a hard period of my life as uh, the years when I lost my mom and I went through a divorce and, you know, my goodness, it was a huge uh difficult part of my life. And so once the quilt top was pieced, I had a real hard time quilting it. Uh, yes, I understand I that too. I did not want to spend time with those memories. No, yeah. it's. I really should write down, do you write down the stories as you're working on them or do you just let them embed into the fabric and let them I go? I can tell you all the stories of every quilt, but no, right. I don't write them down so much anymore since I stopped having a desk job. And, uh, <laughs> and a need to be on the computer all day. Yeah. I just, I wonder, you know, so many of those stories get lost because we don't tell them. And I guess they're just internal, but that's not a bad thing either. But there's, well, you know, I'll, my little sister, I made her uh, a quilt when our youngest sister passed away. And um, I used the mile a minute crumb piecing technique, like your tiniest little scraps and you just so tiny little uh, scraps onto a big long strip. You just go oh, really oh, quick yeah, with yeah, it, yeah. and then you cut them into like crumb blocks. And I don't know how many times I made her sit there as I told her about every single fabric in her quilt, just so she would know the stories. <laughs> she's not interested at all, but, but she sat so patiently because she loves me. Oh, that's wonderful. So you talked about it a little bit how you got started. Um, what kind of quilts did you make when you started quilting? When did you start quilting, and what kind of quilts did you make? Well, the very first one that I made with my cousins, with all of our great-grandmother's fabric, including any fabric I could steal from anyone. My God, I was like 13 years old. <laughs> I was like, Graham, can I just cut up those curtains? <laughs> um, <laughs> but we no. do. We have several sets of benches <laughs> and a tablecloth that was probably not cotton. And <laughs> anyway, we wanted a variety. That one is three-inch uh, squares. And we hand-pieced it. Uh, my cousin and I made like matching ones at the same time. Um, I finished mine. So we started it in 1994, 93, and I finished mine in 2010 and my cousin finished hers last year. <laughs> so <laughs> these quilts have seen a lot, but it was just reg- uh, three inch squares. I had a huge seam allowance on there and I traced my templates in pen. Uh, <laughs> but that quilt right now, it's on my son's bed. So oh, that's good wonderful. Story. Yeah. Um, so, so after that, the quilts in college also were squares. I did a log cabin for myself and a log cabin for my best friend. And this pattern I found in a magazine. I made it for my boyfriend, but I didn't understand value at all. And so I cut out really tiny, like, sashing pieces and put together these complicated blocks. And you can't see the pattern at all. <laughs> oh, that's but, frustrating. Yeah, we all have quilts like that. Yeah, I think I think we all have to learn color at some point and value. Absolutely. My husband made a quilt once that um, he didn't choose. He chose one light fabric, but everything else were 
they were mediums and very close in value. Mm-hmm. And he named it extra medium. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up using it to practice free motion fillers because he said, I hate it. You could, I don't care what you do with it. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with the quilts you start and don't like anymore? I finish them and donate them or give them to people who need a hug. But I'm, I'm a compulsive finisher. If I start it, I'll finish it. Wow. I'm too Sagittarius for that. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are some. I had one. We had a house fire and one came back after the house fire that and had the colors had bled. Uh-huh. And it was in, in process. And I looked at it and decided, you know what? Life's too short. And th- <laughs> threw them out throughout all the blocks that was so liberating so well jessica i know that you were part of the new york city modern quilt guild very early on how did you get into that um what medium of social media were we using back then blogs right and Flickr. Um, probably Flickr and blogs yeah. yep. so when the modern quilt uh guild movement went through the internet like that really quick around the world um I must have seen those first posts of whoever Victoria and the other woman who's, I remember her face and her quilts, but I don't remember her name. Uh, They put out a call. Anybody in New York wants to do it. And Victoria Findlay Wolf hosted it at her home um, in Manhattan. Um, And I was there from the very start. Uh, It was really amazing to come together. Well, first of all, to go into Victoria's space, which is very inspirational and full of color. Uh, but also to meet other people who were interested in taking quilting forward, you know, interested enough to leave their homes, get out from behind their computers and say, I want to be part of something new in this history of quilting in America or wherever we are now. So that was fun. And I still talk to a lot of those uh, quilters. Wow. That just sounds awesome. Okay, so you've you've posted um, a lot of pictures of yourself quilting in public and yes. piecing in public. What kind of responses do you get from strangers that you encounter that see you? I would say most recently, uh, it's kids. Uh, kids come up and they're very curious, and I will let them hold the needle or try to because usually it's English paper piecing. So I have my little sewing kit that's always in my bag. Um, Is it one of the Zaka things that you made? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. My sewing kit is just a regular um, pencil case, like a plastic pencil case. Oh, okay. Smart, um, smart. But it's in there. Uh, it's in my purse right now, actually. Oh, no, I took it out because I knew I was going to need it if I decided to sew while we were talking today. <laughs> but it has everything in there, like cut fabric and templates and thread and everything else that I need, including extra needles. I should keep an extra thimble. And I remember being on a, a train uh, once and a kid came over and wanted to see, and we had enough time for her to actually practice stitching. Uh, the Airbnb I stayed at last weekend, uh, the host daughters were very curious and also wanted to hold the needle and poke it through. Oh, fun. <laughs> so you just get to teach on the fly. That's fun. Yeah, that's fun. And then sometimes you'll get like a knowing look if you're on an airplane and like the knitter across the way, like you catch their, their eye, but <laughs> it's never attracted as many quilters as I wanted to. Yeah, that's. Oh, but I used to, and you'll see on uh, Instagram, like from a year ago, I did the 100 day challenge, uh, quilting in public every day for 100 days. And I would do it on my break uh, in this beautiful office building that I worked at until the pandemic. And 
the women that I worked with, none of them are quilters. <laughs> and after they saw me, they started bringing me their mending. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it because I love them, but... Oh, yeah. No, I have a I have a pin that's kind of verboten with mending in the middle. <laughs> So. Well, you were, ta- you were talking about quilting in public. Uh, this was during that same era of the early quilting blogs and Flickr. Um, and I don't know who it was. I think she actually has taught at QuiltCon now. And I hate that I can't remember her name, but um, I was always fascinated by this. She actually rigged up a treadle machine um, to be pulled by her bicycle and she took it to Burning Man. Do you not and- know who that is? In the desert, and she set up she, she set up her treadle machine, and she had photos on her blog of like sewing in the middle of the desert, and people would stop by and want to mend their outfits. But she was working on a quilt. I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll try. No, to no, no. I'll tell you. Uh, it's Christina Camelli. Yes, there you her go. Her blog yeah. is a few scraps, and yes. she's also written several quilt books. Thank you. Um, and I remember that blog post afterwards because her fishnets left sunburn marks. <laughs> like she had tan marks of fishnets on her. <laughs> And Christina, I'm sorry, I didn't know your name. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Um, that's fascinating. So, so do you keep track of the quilts that you've made? Do you like have any kind of like scrapbook or anything like that? I've started, you know, a scrapbook where I put in scraps of fabric and pictures and stories and things, but that just took up more time, and I would would rather be sewing. Um, I mean, the blog is a wonderful. Uh, compilation of my quilting journey. You know, I blogged at, under two different titles from 2006 to present, uh, not always consistently, but you know, my stories are all there. Um, and where he's asking if I keep a track last year, I was curious, somebody asked me how many quilts I had made. And so just in my regular day book, I made a list and I had at that time completed 50 quilts but had started 77. Uh, there's 77 lifetime. more or? No, 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 no. Uh, 37, like lifetime, uh, total uh, quilt started was 77. And these don't include all of the, uh, you know, book samples and promo stuff, you know, for, but, but like my quilts, uh, the quilts that I consider uh, significant enough to put in that list. And I know other people complete like a hundred quilts in a year, <laughs> but I kind of work slow. And I like that I can look back and remember that eight year period in this one quilt. <laughs> and so I try to include the dates on my labels, like started 2007, uh, finished 2014. That's great. I've been doing more blogging and one of the blog posts that I wrote, I tried to, uh, I tried to to make an entry of every blog, I mean, for, of every quilt that I made, and I don't know the exact number. Um, and I'm sure I probably forgot about some that I made and gave away pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, there's, there is no way to, to even begin to guess how many I've made. <laughs> so I don't want to know because then that's sort of, you know, tipping my hand to how big a problem this is. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You know, we're just being prepared, Elaine. Right, last right. Winter, you know, my the son pandemic. Said, my son says, Mom, I'm cold. Do we have any extra quilts? And I'm like, Gee, do we? I, I counted know. in my 600 square foot apartment, I counted 14 available quilts that he could use if he needed it. So we're good. Absolutely. My husband actually, one time when I left town, my daughter was having 
some sort of panic attack that mom wasn't here. And he grabbed a quilt, tossed it on her and said, here, have a hug. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're, they're a very big part of our lives here. And they're all over the house and used and used and used. Yeah, it's actually a quilt wash week here. Well, you know, the cat has barfed on it enough times that I actually had to put the quilts <laughs> off the bed. And we got geckos <laughs> during the pandemic. And so the kids let the geckos and the mealworms run all over their quilts. So those need to go in the wash. And so I think tomorrow, or maybe even later today, I'll pack up a bunch of quilts and take them to the laundromat. Absolutely. Yeah, we so, have. I have to wash the ones that I have in my classroom. Yeah. And, but I don't know that I can have them in my classroom this year. So. So can you tell us about your two your two quilting books and how those projects came about? Sure. Um, so as I said, I blogged for a long time, uh, and I really just started out, you know, talking into the void. You know, 2006, we didn't know who was out there if anybody would read us, um, and then eventually things picked up and there were people, and then people started linking to other blogs in their posts, you know, and there's a tighter knit community was getting formed and people were getting more and more popular. And in 2012, a publisher contacted me and said, you know, we've been reading your blog and we're looking for an author to finish a book project that was started. Like that's contracted to go forward, but we don't have an author to write the book anymore. And I looked over um, the synopsis and it was not something that I felt confident that I could write on. And I said, I'm sorry, this is a wonderful opportunity. Thank you for thinking of me. Um, and if you ever want to write a book on English paper piecing, of which there are none, uh, please let me know. Wow. <laughs> and so they wrote back, they're like, yes, please tell us your ideas. And then I, I wrote Quilting on the Go, uh, English paper piecing. What's it called? English paper piecing projects you can take anywhere. And, uh, and I just want to tell you guys, if you've seen my book, I'm holding it up now as if I'm in a video, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> it is not me on the cover. What? <laughs> we, they hired a photographer for me, and I arranged for him to come to Central Park on one of the New York Metro Mod Guild, you know, sit and sews. And he had everybody sign releases, and he just took pictures all during our sit and sew that afternoon. And they didn't have a picture for the cover. And they decided to use this one, which I'm in the background in the orange dress. And that's my <laughs> friend, Nicole, <laughs> in the front. That's funny. So that's not even my quilt on the cover. <laughs> wow. But um, yes, so I wrote the book on contract, uh, very tight timelines, pieced most of the projects and the st stages and the samples and all the uh, stuff for photography. I pieced that all myself. No, not true. Some friends helped. I would have like sit and sews and people would come uh, help me get things done because that's an awful lot of hand stitching. Yeah, that and is. And that's also when I learned that you could only, I could only sew English paper piecing for about four hours before, no, <laughs> like I was just done. <laughs> that was my max. Um, so do, do your hands cramp or do you just get tired of it and need to move to something else? Or uh, No, like the, the sitting still, the focus, the putting and then the hands, my hands would yeah. start hurting. But I miss my, you know, 30-year-old hands. These 40-year-old hands are getting sore. I understand that. Um, yeah. So have you tried compression gloves? No, I haven't. You should. They're amazing. Oh, thank you. I yeah, they are amazing. And um, I believe Dritz makes some. But Oh, I've seen them. 
Yeah, Back they're incredible. You put the them store. on and it's just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. So, and they're um, open fingers too. So you can actually still sew while you're wearing them. They just support a little bit better. Impression. You said dritz? Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So what inspires a new quilt for you? You were saying that you were making some all squares right now during the pandemic, but on a normal day, what inspires a new quilt? Um, I find that I have to, I have a list of people that I need to make quilts for. And uh, I learned that from my second quilt mentor, um, Helen Thompson. And uh, where is she from? Avondale Estates, uh, Georgia. Um, I met her at the uh, in-town quilting guild when I first came back from Japan. And she had a studio in the master bedroom of her house. And I was like, oh, this is my dream house. Oh, wow. <laughs> like with the bathroom, the master bath was like part of her sewing studio. This is great. <laughs> and she had lists. Priorities. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so I didn't know it at the time, but she had, you know, design walls all over the walls. I didn't know what they were called or how to make them, but now I know. And she would have like strips of paper lists with just uh, names of people that she needed to make quilts for. And then she'd like cross off when she finished it. And so from her, I learned to you know keep track of my quilts there, which ones I need to make next, who, who's having a baby or so-and-so got engaged or, I don't know. Uh, so it's usually the people that inspire the quilts. Okay. That sounds good. Like for example, my, um, my kid's father is uh, redoing his house uh, this summer, you know, cause what else are you going to do in a pandemic? And the boys will each get their own room, like brand new, uh, decked out room and I asked I said please can I make quilts for the boys new beds and so now I have to make two queen size quilts for my children oh, wow. like, in the next few months <laughs> but they're for my kids and so I'm so excited because George is old enough to collaborate so I drew up a sketch and I sent it to him like I texted it to him because he's cool and he has a phone oh my God. <laughs> I'm excited to work on these projects with my kids that is, that's fun. awesome. Yeah. I, I love collaborating with my kids. They have ideas that wouldn't occur to me. And so it's always, it's exciting. But Elaine, do you argue with them then? Like really take it further or you just go with what they say? Oh no, I bicker. Okay. All right. Because George and I have been making quilts together for a long time. He's uh, 11 now. Um, and the quilt we made a few years ago, I need my directional prints to go up and down. <laughs> And he kept putting this flower sideways and I would like move it on the design wall and he'd come back in the morning and move it again. <laughs> and uh, it's thrown in there sideways and, and I love him, but I, yeah. Does it bug you? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> no, my oldest is 18 and leaves for college next week. And she is a color savant and always has oh. been. <sighs> and so I'm going to miss her because she has given me tons of great suggestions mm -hmm. and, to not be able to have her walk in and just tell me what it needs. And, you know, sometimes she's wrong. But <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but other times, right, yeah. you're able to see it completely yeah. uh, with a fresh set of eyes. Well, and sometimes I will disagree with her and then I will try her idea. And then I go back to her and say, okay, you were right. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of that situation with her right now. So. But that's okay. I mean, I love it when I get suggestions from them that I wouldn't have thought of that make it better. Mm. So, yeah. So, I think, oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, Jessica, do you quilt your quilts yourself or do you use a long armor? Um, it depends on who it's for, how much time I have and how fast they, I, I want to get it done. Um, I have a few long armors that I trust. I have a stack of tops that need backs and then I'm definitely going to send those out because I'm definitely in a piecing mood now. I think sitting down, especially in this heat with a quilt draped over me would hurt my shoulders and, you know, my mood. So <laughs> I'm going to let somebody else quilt that. So you um, do hand quilting? Well, the small projects that I'm working on now, um, I'm teaching a workshop series through my local library, uh, through Zoom. And uh, we did English paper piecing last month. And next week we have a big stitch hand quilting. And so I've been working on the samples uh, and things for for those workshops. Um, but I don't do a lot of hand quilting on my own quilts these days. I do, I tend to go more towards the uh, applique, you know, put my hand stitches in, in the patchwork process. And then, yeah, lately it's been quilting by check. <laughs> have you tried free motion quilting? Have you done any? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, okay. and I have some uh, quilts that I've done when I couldn't afford to send it out, you know, when I, I had more time or I wanted to. Um, no, so, but now I feel like because I, I'm in the mood to piece or, you know, do other. Yeah, I'm in the mood to piece uh, and I have the resources to send it out. I very much so like to support, uh, you know, small business people <laughs> as much as I can. Well, as as one of those, I thank you for that. So when you're piecing a quilt, are there colors that you gravitate to? Piecing a quilt or shopping for fabric? Either. I mean, I in definitely general. buy certain colors and then never use them. Like what? I always buy purple, especially batiks. See, I forget about purple. Is that weird? No. <laughs> the purple section in my stash is so anemic. No, uh, purple, pinky purples, reddy purples, brownie purples. Yeah, I, I buy the whole spectrum of purple and I don't always use it. Um, what else? Uh, like aqua, uh, like a light turquoise sea foam. That section of the stash needs its own two shelves. And, but once I find uh, like the hand of the fabric or uh, a print or a color that I like, I will buy five or six yards. And then I just keep that as the fabric that I use over and over when I want that color. Oh, wow. Okay. So do you, are there colors that you use more? I mean, you say you buy purple and then you don't use it, but I well, guess you use a lot of aqua. It comes down to who the uh, quilt is for. Oh, yeah. So okay. in the last, I don't know, handful, uh, two half the last 10 quilts I've made, I've made several uh, darker quilts uh, for my boyfriend's apartment because uh, it just goes with his decor and what he likes. And then I made one for our mutual friend who also wanted, you know, a hard, uh, I'll say harder color palette than I want to work with. Um, I, I understand that. I had somebody ask me, if I would make her, a, she said, if you ever make me a quilt, I want it to be all white. Ooh. I said, oh, oh sorry. I said, Mary, I'm, I, you can be rest assured. I'm never going to make you a quilt then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would just try to steer her towards colors so she could actually use what I was making. <laughs> well, what I ended up doing is I made her one with low volume fabrics. So oh, white with all kinds of stuff. And I named it not quite white because it's not quite white. She sure. loves it. But I said I couldn't do it, so here you go. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, it's interesting, or 
who was it? I think Elaine asked, uh, what colors I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I don't try to, a lot of my quilts have streaks of red. And red is not a color that I like to work with, but it keeps going into my quilts. <laughs> Yeah. It could be a challenge because so, it clashes with itself, depending. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then my son, this for this big queen size quilt I have to make for him now, um, he wants it all in red. Like, okay. All right. Well, this is a reason to buy more fabric. Perfect. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah, that's hard. That's like somebody asking me to make something that's brown. Oh, really? Really? Brown? Uh. And my <laughs> older son, I said, kid, give me a color palette. You know what he does? He takes a picture of the like where the cables go at the back of the computer, <laughs> and he's like, "This one." Oh boy! And he wants robin's egg blue. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I love these kids. They're great. Great. So, That's do you cool. consider yourself an art artist or a quilter, or does it matter to you? Uh, I'm definitely a quilter. I don't think I'm a hobby quilter anymore, though. I think, even though I'm not making any money from it, I definitely lean more towards professional quilter only because that's how serious it is for me. Sometimes I want to not do it. Right. Hmm? You can't not do it. Yeah. Sometimes I want to say textile artist. And then I realize that the only textiles I make are cotton. So that really doesn't count. (laughs) So, um, no, I I like quilter. What inspires you creatively? Are there other arts? So I, you live in, live in the New York city area. So, lots of opportunities up there to experience other arts. Are there books, music, painting, movies, theater? Wow. I'm going to say that's amazing. I hadn't thought of it that way. And no, I don't usually get inspiration (laughs) from sources like that. Um, When I would go to the guild meetings, especially the New York Modern Guild, I would be inspired by the other people's work. Um, would it would it spur you to explore things you hadn't considered? Oh my gosh! In the early days of the Modern Guild, we were having challenges every month. Oh wow! We tried a whole bunch of stuff, and I realized that I do like some things. I'm good at some things that I wouldn't have known otherwise. I'm happy that I got a chance to try it all. Um, but now I guess the inspiration all comes from Instagram, mm-hmm. and that frustrates me a little bit because I wish I was on my phone a little bit less. Exactly. But at the same yeah. time, that's where all the people are. And <laughs> we really need people these days. So you wrote the book, Get Started Quilting. If you were talking with someone who's intrigued or interested in making a quilt, but maybe they're a little intimidated, what advice would you offer them? Oh, well, in the olden days, I'd tell them to go into their local quilt shop and take a class. Because having hands-on someone teach you how to use a rotary cutter is so much better than <laughs> trying to learn it over Zoom. Um, I think my advice to someone interested in getting started uh, with quilting now is to look through the plethora of uh, images that are available online. Uh, there are quilt communities on all uh, social media platforms, I believe, as well as just doing a Google image search, because there are so many different types of uh, quilts, types of methods to do it. And there are some people who might really love Hawaiian quilts, but hate the uh, hand applique, you know? And so I don't want someone just to try something simple when they find they would have liked something else if they knew it was out there. Does that make sense? That kind of- Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Would direct people to 
see what draws them, like what, what pulls them in. Yes, and energy attracts energy. Yeah. So when you get into, when you have, find yourself with a creative block or just in a funk about sewing, what do you do to get out of it? Do you do something in particular to get out of it? Uh, sometimes I know that I need to just let it pass. Like if the creative energy isn't flowing, I know it'll come back. So it's a great time to rest my joints. <laughs> um, and going through my stash is definitely uh, the best way to bring out ideas. Uh, over the weekend, I went through a big Rubbermaid tub of half-finished projects and uh, sample blocks, uh, UFOs, and things like that. And I pulled out so many things that I'm glad I held on to, and I turned them into something else. And... Uh, just small projects, but I needed that, like a palette cleanser, like you said. Mm -hmm. Or something that will be finished quickly so that you can... Oh, no, they're not finished, Elaine. <laughs> I started them. They're, they're turned into different UFOs. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> but something else that you've gotten excited about yes. when the original wasn't exciting you anymore. I understand mm -hmm. that totally. Yeah, uh, I, I'll tell you, it's uh, a million years ago, I made log cabins with fussy cut Halloween fabric. And I only made four because then I ran out of the fussy cut Halloween <laughs> Um And I didn't know what to do with them. And I turned them into placemats. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, I used up something that I had. You know, I'm not wasting this. It was there. And now I made it into something or I at least gave it new life. And I think a lot of my projects come from UFOs that I reimagined to something else. Well, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you're wondering something and you try it and then your question's answered and you want to move on. So it's good that you can, you know, placemats. That's a fantastic use for four blocks. That's really cool. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier, you're teaching some classes via zoom with your local library. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And if someone listening is interested, can they join? And if so, where should they go to check it out? Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I have been teaching uh, sewing classes uh, through the Uniondale Public Library in Uniondale, New York, which is here on Long Island. Uh, the classes are available to anyone worldwide, I believe. Uh, they, I think they cap it as 100 registrants, so uh, we haven't had that many people sign up before. But you can go to the Uniondale Public Library website. Um, there's a link. Oh, did I put the link? in the blog post that I didn't hit publish on, so don't worry. It'll be on my blog in a few minutes. Um, that's Life Under Quilts at blogspot.com. Uh, you can also just Google the Uniondale Public Library here in New York. And then uh, the class is, I think, Summer Sewing Workshop or Hand Sewing Workshop 2. We'll be doing Big Stitch Quilting uh, August 20th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the class is an hour long. It's completely free. Uh, if you have a quilt sandwich ready, uh, if you didn't attend the first class where we did English paper piecing, we're just making mug rugs. So bring a tiny quilt sandwich, eight by 10, uh, some pearl cotton, an embroidery needle, size nine, and a thimble. And <laughs> hop on over to the library website. Um, you can sign up for that. Um, and then through the fall, I'm going to do a um, machine sewing or you know, like a get started quilting uh, series. We'll do a variety of patchwork blocks. And then when the library finally opens for in-person meetings, we're going to assemble the quilts in person. Oh, wow. Has, how has it been to teach virtually? Is it challenging? Is it more challenging? Is it a, just a different skill? 
Um, no, actually, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the platform is fairly easy to use. Um, the library offers a variety of classes, and I attended some of those first to see how other instructors were using uh, the resources through Zoom. And then I did my best uh, to adapt it to sewing. Uh, I would like to be really cool and somehow get a second camera like above my hands, but I don't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure if I ask my son, he can figure it out for me. Um, it's been good. And it's also nice to see uh, familiar faces that I just haven't seen in forever. Like some Instagram friends were in the last class. Uh, some girls from my dorm in college were in the last class. Uh, and it's been a great way to connect with people. One way you could get a second camera, and actually I do this when I'm teaching math to my high school kids, is I join the meeting with another device. Uh -huh. And then you can <gasps> situate the device to look at your hands, keep it and mute. Then you can, oh, and you can... Oh, yes. and then feature the second. Oh, yay! Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've had to do I've, that. I've, I've had a, to I've do taken that. A couple of Zoom classes, and people have done that. Exactly what Elaine mentioned. Join. Just on one make device. sure the second device you do not join with sound, or you will get feedback. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So um, learn that the hard way, as I deafened high school kids. <laughs> Other high school kids will live. Yeah. And it builds character. They have a lot of character at this point. So <laughs> I don't know um, about uh, you guys. Uh, Jeff, I'm curious about your boys. Um, my sons both seem to have gained tremendous amounts of independence. Yes. This uh, pandemic period. And I didn't do that to them. The situation did that. And it's been wonderful to watch. I'm really, really proud of them. Yeah. I, I had a 2020 graduate this year and it was... Oh, very interesting to guide her through that and just say, you know, this will be, you will always be able to say you were part of the quarantine class. And, mm -hmm. you know, when did you graduate from high school? 2020. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I said, you will have stories forever. Mm -hmm. People will ask you forever. So, um, I have a question for you. Do you have a favorite quilt out of all the quilts that you've ever made? A quilt that is your favorite. Why is it your favorite? Can you tell us about it? Oh my gosh. That's it's like really picking hard a question. favorite child, isn't it? <laughs> um, there are so many that are just going through my mind right now, but I it's not the favorite from the making process and some of my favorite colors. It's, it's the person I made a, a bear's paw quilt in um, white and yellow for my mom when she was sick. And after she died, I took it back for a while and I can feel her in it. Mm -hmm. And I can feel the love that I made for her when I made it. <laughs> and my mom was, uh, fully disabled and in a wheelchair for six or seven years before she passed and, you know, couldn't move. And so knowing that she would lay in bed under the quilt that I made, like that just made me feel like I was there. Yeah. So I think that's the quilt that I want to hold if I'm going to reach for one. I understand. I do. Wow. Wow. 
So you've talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious, are there quilters that have inspired you along the way? Um, you mentioned your, your two mentors outside of that. Um, are there quilters that you, that you kind of think about or, or point to that kind of inspired you? Um, well, there are big ones like Denise Schmidt. I mean, there's no, there would be no quilting now without her, I think. Um, also, Bonnie Hunter, you know, if if I hadn't at least read that uh, website where she tells us how to cut up all of our fabric scraps, <laughs> and I didn't do that, but that inspired me to actually jump in and cut fabric. Um, and as far as a creative inspiration, like the, whose quilts I like, I think I have to open Instagram and go through all of them. Um, nifty Quilts. Uh, Leanne, who lives in Washington. Um, who else? Oh, so many. I, I, yeah, it's hard, <laughs> hard to choose. No. Bonnie Hunter's scrap saver system ba- very definitely changed, changed me completely. Mm-hmm. Now, if I bring home yardage, I automatically cut two strips off of it, always. Really? Yes, because then I've already cut it. Ah, you're right. And so no, I, I should go back. I should find that post. <laughs> yeah. Then I've already cut it. So I don't have that paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I can't cut into it. This isn't the right project. No. Um, I, we're, my, we're all three Bonnie Hunter fans. <laughs> <laughs> she, has, she has such a reach. <laughs> um, my attitude towards using fabric has changed a lot during this uh, lockdown pandemic period. Um in the beginning, like all of our favorite small quilt shops were struggling. And so I went and I tossed a hundred dollars in shopping carts of every quilt shop owner that I could think of, you know, and I bought so much fabric, like so much fabric. <laughs> I bought the entire Tulip and homemade line, like in a fat quarter set. Like, I don't need this, but I made a bunch into masks. Um, and I'm making masks with ties. And I use the selvages for the ties. Oh, so smart. All the fat quarter packs that I bought this pandemic, perfect size, you know, cut off that selvage, fold it over, and uh, it all goes into the masks. So that's been fun. And I also feel that I want to use my fabric, like use up the new fabric I just bought in 2020, so that later I have 2020 scraps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get a bizarre little thrill when I use up a piece of fabric. So, no, I feel sad when I use the absolute last piece. No, yeah, but I no, I don't, because I'd rather have it used and in a in something I get to hug than sitting on a shelf unloved. Yeah, that's why I throw it around the room every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, right now uh, the kids are with their dad, and so I've taken over the entire kitchen. And my project for this week is to make two backs. And two bindings. And you just need space for that. So I've got fabric draped over every surface. Yeah. And backs are always, they take so much more fabric than they should. I mean, really. <laughs> I think they're wonderful. They get to use up all that fabric and then you have all those scraps. That's yep. true. That's true. That's because true. backing scraps, that, I mean, those go on forever because there's a lot of it. And that, whoever that quilt was for, I think of them every single time. Like that backing fabric is theirs. 
So do you <laughs> use single pieces? No, you don't. You piece them. Um, no, uh, but if I'm piecing from one print or if I'm making a piece from a bunch of different prints, uh, either way, I'll still remember whose backing fabric that was. So what kind of sewing machine do you use when you machine piece? Or uh, I have two machines. Um, right in front of me is my uh, Janome Memorycraft 6500. Um, I love it because it sews straighter than I could make it sew. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a table for quilting. Um, and the bobbin winder because, you know, need a bobbin winder. Um, it needs to be serviced, but it's so heavy I don't want to carry it into the shop. Um, but I should be good to it and, and send it for service. Uh, up at my sewing studio, uh, at my boyfriend's place um, in Rockland County, I have it's uh, Kenmore, little uh, $120 machine that my parents gave me for my college graduation 20 years ago. <laughs> and that thing's a workhorse, man. It's great. <laughs> yeah, they are. They really are. So I only have those two machines. And then I realized today it would be nice to have more, but well, no, not today. <laughs> It'd be nice, but yeah. <laughs> so do you have a favorite notion or ruler? Um, I like my clover thread cutter and my clover open-topped thimble. But that's because I've been doing a whole bunch of handwork. So those are the things on my mind. Oh, I recently bought uh, unicorn thread gloss. Uh, I saw it on Instagram from uh, Robot Mom Sews. And... She, it's just this little pot. It looks like lip gloss, but it's thread conditioner. Um, and it smells really good. <laughs> so it's kind of my guilty pleasure. You know, totally didn't need it, but oh my gosh, I'm happy it's in my sewing kit. Oh, how fun. I'll have to look into that. I've not heard about that. I don't do a lot of hand sewing though. So although lately I have been, but so goodness. Um, where can people find you online to learn more about you and your quilts? I, you did mention... Um, a few, but go ahead and say them again. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, I'm most often on Instagram. Uh, it's at Jessica underscore Alex. Um, it's open, so uh, you can go in and look or you can uh, follow me there if you'd like. If you have any questions, of course, ask me because it's always on my phone and I'm always holding my phone. You know? <laughs> um, if you want to go back and read my quilt history or hear any of the deeper stories, uh, my blog is Life Under Quilts at blogspot, oh, sorry, dot blogspot.com. Um, and uh, I like it that all the information is still there through the years. So there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, I have a YouTube channel, but not like, you know, mainstream quilter YouTube channel or anything. My kids are trying to force me to become a YouTube star so we can buy a house. That's <laughs> okay. not how it works. But <laughs> I think that's also uh, probably just under quilts. But it's just the same videos that are also posted on Instagram. Great. Right. Well, again, we've been speaking with quilter Jessica, Alex, and Rockies. You can check out her work online, as she just explained, on Instagram or her blog. And, Jessica, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And thanks, Elaine. Oh, you're welcome, Jeff. It was fun.